present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us this week for a second visit to the London Palladium, the fine theatre in the London district of Soho. During the 17th century, many settlers moved to Soho from mainland Europe. These included Polish Catholics, French Huguenots and German Lutherans. Evidence of this is found in names such as Greek Street and the famous French House Pub. But migrant assimilation wasn't without its troubles, particularly when the Germans invaded Poland Street. <laughs> In the art world, Soho has been home to artists Constable and Canaletto. Constable lived on Frith Street in the early 19th century, and it was from there that he traveled the countryside with his easel, making beautiful copies of chocolate boxes. <laughs> and, and it was while living in Soho that Canaletto famously painted Westminster Bridge at dusk. Completed in vivid oils, Westminster Council complained they'd only wanted it brushed over with hammer. <laughs> In the late 60s, Soho was home to Jimi Hendrix, who overcame his dyslexia to become one of the world's greatest rock guitarists. Sadly, Hendrix died here in 1970 after choking on his own Vimto. <laughs> probably, the, probably, the most, probably the most famous Soho thoroughfare is Carnaby Street. Once known as the centre of swinging London, that title fell into disuse with the abolition of capital punishment. <laughs> what used to be the epicentre of a burgeoning fashion industry, the Carnaby Street of today is but a shadow of its former glory, offering the unwary visitor tawdry reminders of a faded past of 40 years ago. <laughs> Let's meet four more. <laughs> On my left, Barry Cryer and Graham Garden. <laughs> On my right, Tim Brooke Taylor and Jeremy Hardy. <laughs> and please welcome a lady who's ready to handle any challenge involving the team's points, however hard. <laughs> it's the ever-fragrant Samantha. Okay, in our first round, Uxbridge English Dictionary, I'd like the teams to share with us any new definitions they may have spotted. Graham, you can start. Uh, Randomise a squint. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm supposed to be calling out your name. I was settling down for a nice little doze. <laughs> Tim. Kingdom, a royal contraceptive. Barry. <laughs> Stalagmite, prison camp for fleas. Jeremy. Jugular, a busty vampire. <laughs> Doodlebug, to draw a flea. 
gondolier, something you catch from a boatman. <laughs> Dynamite, to take a flea out to lunch. <laughs> Urethra, a soul singer who takes the piss. <laughs> Mishmash, to be late for chapel due to drunkenness. <laughs> Encyclopedia, to be sexually attracted to small bikes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, cursory, where young children learn to swear. <laughs> Muzzle tough, a good thing to do to the Countryside Alliance. <laughs> Subdued, a less than cool person. <laughs> Himalaya, the transsexual rooster. It's music time now. Hmm. With the game called Pick Up Song, in which the team sing along to some famous records. DJ Samantha has been doing her usual extensive research down in the gramophone library, aided by the kindly old archivist. It's hard work, and she says they both get quite weary. So the archivist has a fold-up bed to take a nap in the afternoons and has provided Samantha with a comfy reclining armchair so that she can put her feet up while he gets his head done. <laughs> Samantha is now back and poised at the turntable, ready to give the discs a spin. You should sing along, teams, until at my signal Samantha turns the volume down. Continue singing, and if on the music's return you're within a gnat's crotchet of the original, I'll be awarding points. And points mean prizes. Yay! What does Bisto give a meal? <laughs> <laughs> this week's prize will delight every wire-haired terrier owner who likes to keep their pet smartly presented. It's this lovely Corby Schnauzer press. <laughs> Barry, you're to start, and I'd like you to accompany Etta James singing I Just Want to Make Love to You. I don't want you, you to be, be no slave. slave. I don't I want you to work all day. But I want you to be true. And I just want to make love to you, love to you, ooh, love to you. All I want to do is wash your clothes. I don't want to keep you indoors. There is nothing for you to do but keep me making love to you. Okay, your next, Graham. I'd like you to accompany Julie Andrews singing I Whistle a Happy Tune. <laughs> Thank you. 
Whenever I feel afraid, I hold my erect. And it's a happy tune, so no one will suspect I'm a... While shivering in my shoes, I strike a careless pose and whistle a happy tune, and no one ever knows I'm a... The result of this deception is very strange to tell, for when I the people, I I myself as well. I whistle a happy tune, and every single time, the happiness in the tune convinces me that I'm not a... I'm not a You now, Tim, would you accompany the token singing The Lion Sleeps Tonight? In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. A Finally, would you, Jeremy, please accompany James Blunt singing his recent hit, You're Beautiful. My life is brilliant. My love is pure. I saw an angel. Of that I'm sure. She smiled at me on the subway. She was with another man. But I won't lose no sleep on that Cause I've got a plan Ha, 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 ha You're beautiful You're beautiful You're beautiful It's true Come on, Pickles I saw your face In a crowded place And I don't know what to do Cause I'll never be with you Yes, she caught my eye Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Our next game will involve the teams boasting about some impressive aspects of their lives. Hmm. I'm not sure this has been thought through. Actually, our own Tim Brooke Taylor will be at an advantage here as he's just bought a huge old Victorian mansion which he claims is haunted. 
Tim says he's sometimes woken by the ghostly apparition of a woman in black whose face is pulled into a fearsome rictus, her translucent skin stretched so taut to her skull that it hardly moves as she shrieks in wailing moans. We keep telling him not to fall asleep in front of the weakest link. <laughs> Okay, we'll start with you, Tim. You're at a party and you're just about to initiate a topic of conversation which allows you to boast about something. The rest of you take turns to outdo Tim's boast until I honk when the next panelist has to initiate a brand new topic of conversation and start the boasting all over again. Okay, off you go, Tim. I've just bought a, a new computer. It's got double memory, a huge amount of RAM. I got two. Oh. Bought one. <laughs> Bought one, got the other one free. Nobody has one. Uh, my computer's got such a good memory that, that I've dispensed with my own. <laughs> uh, right. are, you, are you sure about that? I can't remember. What was I talking about? <laughs> yes, I've got two or three of those computers. In fact, I've got so many rams that I've had to buy a sheepdog. <laughs> I've got one. So the memory is so good, it can actually remember when the goodies was on television. <laughs> Graham, introduce the topic, please. Uh, yes, we went on a fabulous holiday, found this little restaurant where they do a local dish. I don't know if you've ever had it, but uh, it, it's absolutely to die for. It's a very, very small chicken that they cook for about a week in moss and then serve up with the local cheese and... Um, a single strawberry. It's lovely. Yes, I think you'll find that in my recipe book. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I funny you should say that because I went to a place in, in very far north of Scotland where they actually produced, um, this is hard to believe, but they, they produced eggs from a mythical bird and they, they cooked them in a special Scottish way with very little in it. <laughs> very good indeed I actually uh, ate the very dish you're talking about and enjoyed it so much I bought the restaurant <laughs> well, we went to this lovely Scottish village that only appears once every 200 years <laughs> we had um, <laughs> the most fantastic meal it was baby seals cooked in their own fear and it was <laughs> absolutely delicious Yes, we ate in a little Scottish village uh, last night, a little village that Gordon Ramsay had brought down specially. <laughs> and uh, the dish of the day was, was a single tadpole. Really? <laughs> roast and, and served in batter. Good um, heavens, a whole tadpole. Oh, because... I couldn't eat a whole one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said to Gordon, I couldn't, and um, he obliged. I asked for some crudities and Gordon obliged. <laughs> We were on holiday and we went to this fantastic village in the middle of like, lovely people, lovely people, poor but miserable, so friendly. <laughs> and they made this meal and, and they gave us wine and eight courses and they danced for us and they gave us oral pleasure under the table. It came to four pounds a head. <laughs> Good heaven. <laughs> four pounds, well... I think you might have been ripped off there. Uh, 
It's now time to play the game called Mornington Crescent. But first I hear from the postroom that we've received no correspondence at all this week. No. Not a sausage. But we did receive a sausage last week. And it came with this message from a Mrs. Trellis of North Wales. She writes, Dear Camilla, <laughs> where can I buy one of your fine reclining chairs? <laughs> Yours sincerely, Mrs. Trellis. Okay, on with the game, which this week will be played to the famous Argyle Street Parabola, which allows for a maximum of two nudges, but only, of course, if the run of play is with the poke holder. Today's trump line is district and circle. Okay? Was Everybody it two can? nudges, huh? What? Two, two nudges. Two nudges. Was it? Two nudges. Two. Yeah. Oh, and right. district and circle, they're both trump lines, are they? You said there was one line. They take them as one, the two of them. Where, they, where they're contiguous. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, will you, will you start, please, Tim? Well, if I've got the rules right, um, Queen's... No. Um, Oxford Circus. Warren Street. Palmer's Green. Oh. Oh, well. Uh, uh, two nudges. Uh, you're, you're not the poke holder, though. That's a nudge gone already. Isn't it? No. no, but the runner plays with the poke holder. That's true. Um, and that allows me... Well, one nudge, anyway. Uh, yeah. To Swiss Cottage. Mm. <laughs> uh, I'll go Green Park. Great Portland Street. Oh. Mm. Oh. Um... Oh, uh, oh, oh, ah, Stepney Green. What? Stepney Green. Stepney Green. I thought we'd disallowed that. No. Oh, come on. It's the parabola. What do you mean, what do you no, mean we disallowed that? Well, <laughs> explain what you mean by we disallowed that. It was, it was, it was the only royal one person we, who disallows anything. The royal we on your behalf. Ah. <laughs> yes, we have. All right, then. Um, Holland Park. Oh, yeah. The Holland Angel. Park. The Angel. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, yes, yes. The yeah. Angel, Elephant and Castle. Which? <laughs> the Elephant and Castle Angel, as opposed to any other angel. Um, oh, Lord. Um, no, sorry, Archway. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should have got in quickly there. Um, hmm. Osterley. Mornington Crescent! Are we going to allow that? No. <laughs> now the teams are going to offer some useful household advice. Now the teams are going to offer some useful household advice in our handy hints round. One knotty problem I know the teams have been wrestling with is that of future hair loss. Well, the answer is that you have to look to your grandfathers to see whether you'll go bald. Luckily for me, both of mine had full heads of hair when they died aged 17 in the trenches. <laughs> okay. I've, I've brought along a selection of questions on the subject of food taken from genuine guidebooks to which I'd like the teams to provide helpful solutions. Jeremy, we'll start with you. 
Can you assist this anxious correspondent? What can I wear to avoid cutting the ends of my fingers when grating cheese? Uh, you could wear a great coat. <laughs> you wait till you have that problem. You won't go, oh, then. You wait till you hear the edit. You won't go, oh, then. <laughs> okay, the right answer is thimbles. You twit. <laughs> Very nice. Barry, now, can you provide an answer to this correspondent? Is there any way I can make cheeses live longer in my larder? Don't worry about this. Cheeses will rise again on the third day. <laughs> the right answer, is, right answer is put the cheese in a box and add a sugar cube. This will extend their life. Oh. Graham, now, can you help this correspondent? How can I ensure my omelettes are really fluffy? Uh, before cooking, stir in a couple of hamsters. <laughs> the actual answer is add a, squ add a squirt of soda water to the egg mixture before cooking. Oh. Hope you're taking this down. That upsets that upset And Tim, how about this one? <laughs> Since I started storing my carrots in the fruit bowl, they've become rather bitter. Is there a reason for this? Y yes, you promised them the run of the garden. <laughs> Well, the actual answer is you may have apples in your fruit bowl. Apples give off a gas that makes carrots go bitter. <laughs> Back to you, Jeremy. Here's another question for you. How can I tell whether the aubergine in my larder is male or female? Um, if the aubergine is female, it says we should really knock this larder through and have a fridge freezer in it. <laughs> And then a couple of years later, it says, you know, things kept much better when we had the old larder before we got the food freezer. And then you have to get a new kitchen because the old one doesn't go with the napkin rings. The actual answer is the male aubergine has fewer seeds and a round, shallow indentation on its bottom. I know the feeling. <laughs> Barry, how about this? I store my eggs in the fridge. However, my husband only eats them hard-boiled. So in the fridge, we have fresh and hard-boiled eggs side by side, and we sometimes get them muddled. Can you suggest an easy way of telling which are the fresh and which are the hard-boiled? You must join our Get a Life Club. The answer is, when boiling your husband's eggs for storage in the fridge, add a bit of food colouring. It will stain the shells, making it easy to tell the fresh eggs and the hard-boiled eggs apart. I can give you the address of the club, if you want. <laughs> Graham, here's one for you. I hear that avocado pears make excellent face masks. Is this true? Well, yes, it is, if you have a small, knobbly, green, pear-shaped face. <laughs> Well, the answer is just mash them up and smear them onto your face for a smoother complexion. It's Finally, better. Tim, how about this? What's the best way to cook a live crab? Set fire to your knickers. <laughs> the answer is place it in cold water and cook on a low heat. If you put it in boiling water, its membrane will let water in and its bits will fall off. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> Here are some for any of you to have a go at. What's a good way to liven up a pile of boring old vegetables? 
shout fire in the House of Lords. Actually, I sent him that one. No, the real answer is a tablespoon of balsamic vinegar might help, particularly if you're making vegetable soup. Yawn, yawn. <laughs> Here's another question. I love a bit of cottage pie, but I'm not sure about the quality of my mince. Any suggestions? <laughs> well, you, you could improve it by putting one hand on your hip as you, <laughs> as you walk about. Um, try that, and I think you'll find that you'll be the talk of the cottage. <laughs> well, the answer is mince the leftover meat from a joint of roast beef. Delicious. <laughs> well, I notice it's very nearly the end of the show, but there's just time to fit in a round of Monkey House Film Club. Samantha tells me she has to nip out now as she's off to meet her new zookeeper gentleman friend who looks after the apes at Regent's Park. She says she often pops around when he's checking the apes' enclosure and loves watching him up on the climbing frame, hung like a baboon. <laughs> so while she's away enjoying that, I'll ask the teams to suggest titles of films likely to be enjoyed in the monkey house. You can start this one. Jeremy. Um, saving Primate Ryan. <laughs> Tim? Fellini's Prime Eight and a Half. <coughs> oh, 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 a little bit clever. Barry? Educating Cheetah. <laughs> Graham? Breakfast at Chimpanzees. <laughs> Baboon on the Fourth of July. The monkey has landed. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Chimps. <laughs> Silence of the monkeys. <laughs> Conan the Baboon. The Monkey, the Witch and the Wardrobe. <laughs> she wore a yellow gibbon. <laughs> monkey on a hot tin roof. <laughs> Bring me the head keeper, Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> Ice station monkey. <laughs> Just spoiling it for everybody. Everybody. Just... Harry Potter and the Monkey. <laughs> and the film of Joseph and his amazing Technicolored bottom. <laughs> Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as the meatball of time congeals in the gravy of destiny. And the Swede of fate is mashed in the queue to get out of Ikea. <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show, so it's goodbye from the teams, myself, Samantha, and the good folk here at the London Palladium. Goodbye. Barry Pryor, Graham Garden, Jeremy Hardy and Tim Brooke Taylor were being given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson, and the producer was John Naismith.
And if once wasn't enough, you can hear that episode again on Sunday afternoon at 12. Or if you can't wait until then, why not listen on our website at bbc.co.uk slash radio 4.